Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We've been in Mark for actually some time now, over a year and a half. We've been looking at the, the different texts having to do with uh, the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is the most, is the most sequential or chronological of, of the Gospels, of the four Gospels. It is the shortest. It's only 16 chapters. It's not very long. You can read it in a very, very short time. But as you have seen, if you've been with us for some time, it, it goes very, very deep. It's not very long, but it goes very, very deep. It's talking about the life and the ministry, the teachings, the miracles of Jesus. And so we've really focused on this, really uh, focused in very tightly on many of these. Not all of them, really, we could be in here for five years uh, but, but we've really focused in on some of these different events and teachings and miracles that Jesus performed during that very brief three-year period of his public ministry. This morning, starting out, I just want to challenge you, maybe be a little bit provocative with you with some, some leading questions. If, if we call ourselves Christians, which means follower of Christ, then our life will be marked by faith. I often hear people say, well, he or she or I am a person of faith. Um, and I understand that. Often when people say, I am a person of faith or they are a person of faith, they're, re- they're, they're saying that they are very devoted or uh, they're very committed to a religion or to their church, that God is very important to them. That's often what they mean when they say they're a person of faith. But really, I like to make it a little bit tighter. I like to be a little bit more specific. And when, when I say I'm a person of faith, I'm a person who has faith in Jesus Christ. It's not just faith in faith, but it's faith in a person, the person of Jesus Christ, of whose name we just sang about this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, which means... Christian, that's, that's what it means, follower of Christ or a little Christ, then, then faith is going to be very important. In, in other words, specifically trusting in him. This morning, we heard a prophetic word. It's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that is often demonstrated. We not only allow that, we welcome it, and we also want to be very, very clear. And the, the, the word, unprompted, no collaboration here, the word that came forth is, trust me. Jesus saying to his, his people, always under the authority of his word, trust me. Trust me. And really, that is the essence of what we're going to look at this morning, that we can trust him. That if Jesus says something, if he says to do something, then we believe what he said and we act on it. So if you call yourself a Christian, if you say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that means that you must also then believe in what he says and act upon what he tells you to do. It's both. So don't, if you say, I'm a person of faith, but you don't have faith in Jesus, you're not a person who really has faith. If you say, I'm a Christian, but you don't listen to what he says and do what he says, then you're, then you're really not a Christian, regardless of the, the, the terminology or the title that you place on yourselves. Mark chapter 11 contains two examples of great faith. One, pretty obvious, 
one that you may have overlooked if you've read Mark chapter 11 before. Mark 11, verses 1 through 7, read this way. As they approached Jerusalem, that is Jesus and his disciples, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, Some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Now we're going to pause there. We're not going to read any further, but there's more to the story, but that's what we're going to look at this morning. Again, it, we, we just read here how Jesus and his disciples were and had been for some time making their way to the city of Jerusalem. They were making their way to Jerusalem beginning a week that would end with Jesus' death and his resurrection. So when you look at the whole scope of, of the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapters 1 through 10 cover uh, almost three years period of time And chapters 11 through 16 cover really, for the most part, one week. A little bit more than that at the end of chapter 16. But but it really, for the majority of those chapters, cover just the period, the span of, of just one week. So they're approaching this village. They're approaching this village that is outside from Jerusalem, just a few miles or even, even about a mile from Jerusalem. Verse 1 again says, Jesus sent two of his disciples. I want you to see those first two words in that line. It says there, Jesus sent. Would you do this with me? Say those words with me. Jesus sent. Say it again. Jesus sent. Very, very simple words, two, uh, two, two words that we can very easily overlook, but it's very clear here that Jesus sent them. They're important words, and we're going to come back to those two words in a moment, but just very clear, Jesus sent. Now, Jesus' instructions are in verses 2 and 3. They were very clear and they were and, and yet very, very brief. Jesus said, go into the village. Just inside the village, you're going to find a donkey colt, that, a, a, a colt that's never been ridden, he said. And then he, he said, untie it and, and bring it here. He said, it's going to be tied up, untie it and bring it here. And then he said, if anyone asks any questions, you are to say to them, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. So that's, that's verses 2 and 3 are Jesus' directions to these disciples. So just look at this. Before, G, before anyone enters the village, no one has entered the village yet. Jesus and his disciples, perhaps a few others, who are making their way into Jerusalem, they have not yet gone into this village that's just ahead of them. But before they get there, Jesus knew what was there. 
Jesus knew who was there. He knew what would be said and how they were to respond. Jesus, before arriving there, Jesus knew every detail. Now, let me just bring it back to you and I for a moment. I find great comfort. I, you know, I don't know the future, and, and neither do you. I know some things that I, I trust will be in the future, that I hope will be in the future, but I can't tell the fe- future, and neither can you. And you know what? I'm okay with that. How many here are okay with not knowing every detail of the future? If you did, you would be terrified or overwhelmed. But Jesus knows the future. He knows what's just around the corner or he knows what's over the horizon, whatever metaphor you want to use there. Jesus knows what is ahead. He knows everything that's going to happen to me in the coming week. One of the attributes that we, we know about Jesus because he's God is he is omniscient, which is a pretty, it's a $5, $10, $15 word that basically means he knows everything. And he does. He knows everything in your future. He knows what's gonna happen to you. He knows this. Jesus knew. He demonstrated here that he knew, again, what was there, who was there, what would be said, and how they were to respond. Now, I'm always amazed at what Jesus said. If you have a red letter edition of the Bible, that means that the words that Jesus spoke are printed in red. And sometimes I just enjoy going through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a little bit of Acts, and just seeing the words of Jesus. And I'm always amazed at what Jesus said. Um, he, 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 He's, he, he could pack more truth into a few words than, than anyone else. I mean, he could make a statement that is very brief and yet deeply profound. But I'm also amazed by oftentimes what Jesus didn't say. This is one of those occasions. Here, Jesus did not explain. He did not give them the full picture. He did not say, this is a big moment, guys. He didn't say, this is huge. So remember this, everybody. Remember this, this is a big, he didn't say that. He, he didn't go into those details. He didn't explain why after walking 60 miles from Galilee that he suddenly wanted to ride the last mile into Jerusalem. He didn't explain that. That's a question that I would have had. We've been walking this whole time. Why do you want to ride now? We're almost there. He he didn't give that explanation. He didn't explain how centuries before, about 450 years earlier, how Zechariah had prophesied that this was going to happen. He didn't give that fuller picture. He simply said, go into that village, bring a particular cult. If someone questions you, tell them the Lord needs it. Um. I just made the comment that Jesus knows everything in your future. He does not have to tell you. He does not have to tell you. There have been times in my life, perhaps in yours as well, where I've said, God, I just, just tell me, what is the purpose for this? I'm going through this, or a, a, a loved one or someone close to me is going through something. Why is it taking so long? Why is it so difficult? Why is it so arduous? And he doesn't tell me. And here's the thing. He doesn't have to tell me, and he doesn't have to tell you. And sometimes we can get a little bit upset because, God, I don't understand why. Sometimes he gives us the why. Oftentimes he does not give us the why. Sometimes you may not know the why. You may not understand the purpose for it for months, years, and maybe even not ever in this life. 
I'm looking forward to heaven for a couple of reasons. One is all my questions are going to be answered. I'm looking forward to that. Golden streets, fine. I couldn't care less about golden. Really, I don't care about the golden streets. Pearly gates, yeah, you've seen one, you've seen them all. It's not that big of a deal to me. I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus, and I'm looking forward to some of my questions answered. That's, that's, that's a fuller picture of my eternity. It's not just within the 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years of this, this life. Jesus doesn't have to tell us, and he, and he didn't hear. He, he just said, go into the village, bring a particular cold. If someone questions you, here's what you're to say. The Lord needs it. Now, look at verse 4. The first two words of verse 4 read, they went. They went. That, 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 those, are, those also are very, in fact, would you say that with me? They went. Remember verse 1 was Jesus sent, and verse 4 says they went. Now, that's, that's very important. And I want you to see those words there. I want you to see the words of verse 4 because it was both Jesus sending, Jesus sent, and it's also them obeying, they went. Jesus sent and they went. It's very, very important. Sometimes we think it's all up to God. And... And that's not true. That's not biblical. Now, all the power is his. The understanding, of course, is his. But an interesting thing that you see, not only here in the Gospel of Mark, but throughout the Word, is you see God empowering and calling people to do something, but then them obeying. In, in almost every miracle that you will find in Scripture, I've pointed this out before, in almost every miracle that you will find in Scripture, you will find God telling someone to do something and then people responding in obedience. God sending, people obeying. Jesus sent and they went. They asked no questions. They didn't demand more information. I've read the text. By the way, this is in, in many of the Gospels here, this, this occasion, this, this, this small little story. On no occasion in any of the other Gospels do, do they ever stop and say, um, we need a few more details. I, I need a little bit more explanation on this. They asked no questions. They didn't demand more information. They didn't require signed documents. Um, we want documentation of this so that we can point out, here's your name. They, they didn't do that. Apparently, they didn't have to know the why. It simply says they went and they began walking into that village. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not saying that it was easy for them. I'm not saying that it, it, it was just like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do this. Those two unnamed, and in none of the Gospels are the disciples ever identified. We know it's two of the 12. We don't know which two. But it was not easy for them. They, they had probably, they had probably, I can't say this for sure, but from what the information we have, they had probably never before walked into a town and grabbed the first donkey they saw. 
And just because Jesus said it, and just because Jesus sent them, that didn't make it easy. Let me tell you something. Back to you and I for a moment. Doing what Jesus says is seldom easy. Speak to your life right now, right where you're sitting, right where you're living. Doing what Jesus says is seldom easy. It often goes against our will, against our desires, against what we want to do, what we think is convenient, what we think is expedient. When Jesus calls us to do something, it will almost always be a bit of a challenge and a bit of a stretch, and sometimes it'll be a big challenge and a big stretch. Back to the disciples. All right, so Jesus sent, verse 1, Verse 2, they, they were, excuse me, verse 4, they went, and, 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 and this we don't know, again, none of the, the Gospels declare this, but wouldn't you like to know what was going through their mind as they're making their way to the village, right? Perhaps someday we'll, we'll know. Will the donkey be there? He told us to go. Will the donkey be there? Will he be tied up? Will, will that, I mean, this is a donkey that's never been ridden. Will, will the donkey be there? Um, this would be a question that I would ask also is why did he pick us? Right, there are 12 disciples. Why did he pick us? Why? I, if one of them were not Peter, I would say, then I would think, why didn't he choose Peter? Because I don't like Peter and I would just go ahead and take Peter. Why did he pick us? What was the reasoning for this? Why us among the 12? Or, or maybe they were wondering this. I wonder what the penalty is for grand theft donkey. I just, I just want to know. I don't know if the, they asked those questions, but those are some of the questions that I would ask. As I'm walking, as I'm, as I'm, as I'm <laughs> I almost said, as I'm wenting, as I'm going, they, they went. As, as they went, if I were in that place and I were the one who were going, I, who was going, I, I, would, I would ask some of those questions, but nevertheless, verse 4, and this is the entire verse, they went, and they found a colt outside in the street tied at the doorway. There, he's there. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? Now, come on, guys, put yourself in this position. Sometimes we put halos on these guys and we think, we just went and, and here we go, we untie the colt and thus saith the Lord. And you know what? I just, I don't see it that way. Here's how I look. I'm thinking they're looking around and, and they reach over and, and maybe one of them says, you go ahead and do it. I'll stand here and keep guard. I don't know what they were, but I'm thinking like this. And, and, and you know, sometimes you hope that what God says is going to happen doesn't happen right? It's like, okay, the donkey's here, but this part about if someone, you know, that would just be nice if we just get slip out of here. As they're, it says, as they're untying it, as they're untying it, some people standing there ask, what are you doing untying the donkey? What are you doing untying the colt? <laughs> it's like, it's, have any of you ever shopped? Never, never mind. You know, you don't know, um, shoplifted, uh, You ever, you ever stolen anything? Don't, don't raise your hands. <laughs> but that feeling. I, uh, all of a 
of a sudden they hear this voice. What are you doing? Untying that colt. I love verse 6. It says this. They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. Um, a couple of the other Gospels say, they said exactly what Jesus, and they repeated Jesus' statement, word for word. It doesn't say that here. It says that in the other Gospels. But here it says, they answered as Jesus had told them to. In other words, Jesus said, say this, and so they said it. And it says, then the people let them go. Now, we don't, as I mentioned a moment ago, we don't know the names of these disciples. We don't know which among the 12 these particular two were. And neither do we know the names of these people. Presumably, they were the owners of the donkey. That's a safe presumption. But here's the thing. We know that the disciples had faith. We know that the disciples had faith. But these also unnamed donkey owners, people of the town, they also had faith. Because with only an 11-word explanation, that's all it is, with only an 11-word explanation, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. That's what Jesus told them to say, and that is exactly what they said. With only an 11-word explanation, they released the donkey. And in that way, they too demonstrated faith. You know, we can read through this many times and miss that point. The disciples demonstrated faith by going with few details. The villagers of this small community demonstrated faith by releasing something without fully understanding why. And both of them took a great deal of faith. One in, or one group, one small group of two people, in one case, going took faith, it demonstrated faith, and with others, it dem- they demonstrated faith by releasing, letting something go. And here's very quickly the rest of the story. The disciples took that colt to Jesus. Now, this colt had never been written, uh, written before, but again, a, a smaller miracle happens, of course, and it, it says that he rode that donkey. It doesn't say that the, it, it, there was a calmness to it. I believe the, the master of uh, the, the creator of the universe, the, the creator of all that we have in this world, I believe that donkey realized in some way this is the creator, and that donkey was just perfectly placid. And it says, that he rode, Jesus rode that donkey who had never been ridden before uh, into Jerusalem with the multitudes praising God and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was a huge moment. It was a big moment. It was the fulfillment of prophecy. It was an amazing day that we still celebrate if you've, ever, if you've ever been in a church and you celebrated Palm Sunday and you get the palms and you wave them around, that's this event. But listen to me, it happened in part because some faith-filled people went and some faith-filled people let something go. I want you to see that. Faith was demonstrated in going and faith was demonstrated in releasing. 
You say that you're a person of faith. You say that you're a follower of Christ. You call yourself a Christian. Wonderful. Glory to God, we're together. If I met you just 5, 10, 20 minutes ago, or I've known you for many years, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, glory to God. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that means you are going to demonstrate faith, and sometimes it's going to be in going, and sometimes it's going to be in releasing. So let me ask you, is your life marked by faith? Is your life marked by faith? It doesn't matter what what you call yourself. It doesn't matter what happened in 19-something or 2000-something when you gave your life to Jesus, whether that was days ago or months or years ago. That's important. I'm simply saying I'm putting that aside. Regardless of what happened back then, is your life today marked by faith? When Jesus calls you to a hard place or to perform a new or challenging task, or when he directs you or allows you to go or do something you've never done before, will you do it? Are you doing it? Even if you don't know what will happen or how people will respond. We look at this story and we go, man, that's a great story. Listen, this story must be lived out in your life. If he calls you to go and do something, do you do it? You say, well, man, I I don't don't know if I could ever do this. Well, here's the thing. Remember, they've been walking with Jesus for three years. This was not the first thing. Do you know what the first response was? Jesus said, come, follow me. And it says, and they followed him. That's how it started. It was very, very simple. They They didn't pass the 12th grade test until they first passed the kindergarten test, so to speak. You know, an interesting uh, text, it's back in 1 Samuel, it's a story that you're probably familiar with. Um, It is David going against the giant Goliath. Now, David was young at the time, he was about 17, but he wasn't inexperienced. And as he's facing this this giant, or as he's about to go out on the field of battle against this giant who is nine feet tall, who's heavily armed, who is himself very experienced in battle, is this 17-year-old kid who's with no armor is about to go out. David makes this great statement. He said to those who were around him, he said, as God was with me when I defeated the lion and the bear, so he will be with me when I come against this Philistine, against this giant. The point is, before he faced the giant, he faced a lion and a bear. In other words, and those are big. And, and, and truth be told, I think before he defeated a lion and a bear with his sling, that's how he killed the giant. I believe before he faced the lion and the bear, he faced a wolverine and maybe a rat or a mouse or something like that. Now it doesn't say that, but you don't start with bears and you don't start with lions. You start with something smaller. Some of you, right now, you are, you are going against something and Jesus is saying, I want you to step out in faith and I want you to do something. You're going, that's big. Well, to a person who's been maybe used of God for some years, it may not be that big, but it's big to you. And if you want to, if you want to be used of God to powerfully defeat something greater in the future, then you have to defeat what's in front of you right now. Right now. And it may be, it may be, it may look like a mouse to others, but to you, that's that thing's vicious. And it's big, and it is big. It is big. 
So some of you are being called to do something. Some of you, the Lord has put on your heart to do something. Are you doing it regardless of how difficult it is? Regardless of what it might do to your reputation? You know, I don't know, but I'm thinking that followers of a well-known teacher, I don't know if uh, stealing a donkey, well, in their minds it wasn't stealing, it was, but you know, that may not be good, but they didn't think about that. If they did think about it, they didn't act against it. They still did it. They went and did. They went and did as Jesus called them to do. And some of you are doing a difficult thing right now, and you're going, it is so hard, or you're about to do something that is, is going to be so different from, un, from what you've been doing up to this point, and it's so stretching, and it's almost overwhelming. You're thinking, how am I going to do this? I have really great news for you. That's the battle in front of you, and if you win this battle, he's going to give you more battles, but you're going to grow in your faith. You say, well, what's, what's so important about that? Why do I need faith? Well, you know, because here's what a lot of people think, uh, immature believers. An immature believer will say, well, you know what, I have Jesus in my heart, uh, gave my heart to Christ back in, you know, that year. And so when I die, I'm going to heaven. What else do I need? Isn't that enough? I'm going to spend eternity with him. Yeah, well, then you want to get pushed, keep getting pushed around in this world, then just leave your faith where it is. You want to be overwhelmed and easily defeated by the smallest thing that comes along? Well, then just go ahead and just have very little faith. You want to show up in heaven and, and, and have really almost nothing to show for it because, because you, you never exercised some of the gifts and abilities and faith that he's given you? You, you? you want to do that? Okay, you can do that. I would rather in the short time that I have in my life, I would rather say, Lord, I want to grow in as much faith as I can, be used of you, and so that I'm not easily defeated and pushed around. Some of you, some of you are just wondering, why in the world do I fall every time? It's because your faith needs to grow. You get beat up all the time, spiritually beat up all the time. You need more faith. Great thing is, he, he can do that. But those who are sent were also those who went. Or maybe you're experiencing that other kind of faith demonstrated here. Faith to release something to let something go, or perhaps to release someone. Letting something go, or letting someone go. Remember these people, you know, they're, they have less information than the disciples had. <laughs> Some yahoo with a Galilean accent shows up in our town and that's a valuable donkey. That, there's great potential in that donkey. And, 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 and with that donkey, they just show up and, 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 and they, they don't know who the master is. They don't know who Jesus is. But they simply say that the Lord needs it and, and we'll, we'll bring it back to you. People trusted God. And, and I have found, many of you have found this as well, that faith in Christ is one of the ways in which faith in Christ is lived out is by giving or releasing something of value. Well, I hold on to this. I value this. But Jesus is calling me to release it. 
One of the ways in which we grow in faith or the ways in which faith is lived out is by giving or releasing something of value without knowing how or when or even if it will ever come back to us. We just don't know. Sometimes this takes greater faith than going, is releasing, letting it go. How about, it, how about with our time? Every one of us, I don't care your background, your history, anything else about you, every one of us have only 24 hours in one day. Every one of us has only 365 and a quarter days in every year. We all have the same amount of time. Time is valuable. You know that. But what if Jesus says, I want you to give of your time? Show me your, show me your, your planner or your schedule or your eye calendar or whatever it might be. Show me your calendar and I will show you what is valuable to you. Because it's, it's, it's what we spend our time with. So you say, oh man, Jesus is really important. Well, okay, does, what if, what if Jesus says, I want some of your time? What if he says, what if, what if you have an opportunity before and it's going to take some time to do that? So I, don't, I only have so much time. Are you going to release that? Because he's calling you to. Are you going to let it go? Why is it, why is it that sometimes what, what we do for the kingdom, what we do for Christ, is sometimes the first thing cut from our schedule when we suddenly realize we don't have very much time. And yet he called us to do that. How about with our finances? Now, this is not about financial giving. But how is it that some people say, I have great faith in Christ, and the word is very clear on what we're to give in tithes and how we're to give in offerings. We say, oh, I, I trust Jesus. I believe in him. I follow him. I'm a Christian. I'm a person of faith. Really? Your checkbook or your, your bank balance statement, how you spend your money, um, that, that tells me what you value. Tells us what you, that'll tell you what you value. Some of you are saying, I can't, I can't, I can't give. I can't release it. And God's saying in, in his word, release it, let it go. You say, I can't. Well then, you want to grow in faith? Then be obedient in, in releasing. How about some of our family members? You, you, you have a, you have a, a, a child who's, who's God's calling or maybe a grandchild calling to do something that is really a step of great faith on their part and you're saying, I'm not willing to let them go. Sometimes releasing our, and, and really what more valuable to us that we can see and touch and be around is what's more valuable than our family. I can't think of anything more important than any financial asset that we might have. We say, well, Lord, I, I, I want to hold them. I, wanna, I, I can't. I, I remember years ago, uh, five, six years ago, um, we were, uh, 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 my daughter was going away for the first time to El Salvador and she was going on a missions trip and, and uh, uh, boy, it was really hard on me. I, I, if I went, even if my sons went, that was one thing, but my daughter, it's my precious little girl, she's gonna go to a far off place. 
I don't know who's going to be down there. And then, like an idiot, my, my, one of my sons said, hey, let's, we watched the movie Taken the night before, if you've ever seen that movie. That was stupid. That was stupid. should never do that. Night before, yeah. Um, and I said, well, she's, I love my daughter, and I've raised her, but she's not mine. I release her. Sometimes, sometimes releasing someone Releasing someone is the hardest, is the biggest step of faith you'll ever take. It's releasing someone. Or how about this? There's someone who's destructive in our life, and God's saying, you got to give that person up. That person is going to pull you down every time, and I need, and he's saying, release it, let it go, let them go. And you're saying, I can't. Well, then, if you want to grow in faith, then you're going to have to release some things. How about some offense? You go, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, 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 we're talking things of value. Well, no, I, I think sometimes we value and we find identity in how we've been wounded by someone or we, we, we view ourselves as the victim of what happened months or years ago and we don't release that offense and we carry that. And Jesus is saying, let it go. You need to let that offense go. You need to let that wound go. And, you're, and, and sometimes people say, no, I'm not going to. I'm, not, I'm never going to release that. I'm going to bring it up every chance I get. I'm going to share it. And if I get a chance to get that person back, I'm going to do it. And Jesus is saying, you want to grow in faith? You, you want to you trust me? Really, you want to trust me? Then let that go. How many people are there today who find their identity who find their identity not as follower of Jesus Christ washed in Jesus' blood, forgiven, who find their identity not in I am a child of God, but I am a victim of him, her, that person, that organization. We view ourselves, our identity is wrapped up in how we've been wounded or sometimes it's in what we've accomplished sometimes God comes along and he says, I want you to release that identity, that title, and to let that go. There's two kinds of faith here. Two kinds of faith. Two kinds of faith. One in going, those who were sent, went. And then there's faith in releasing. Without details. Without knowing exactly who said it. But in letting it go. So here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've submitted your life to him, surrendered your life to him, um, he wants you to grow in faith. He wants you to grow in faith. This morning, I want to pray with you. And we're going we're gonna to close with this song that we sang earlier. And it's not, uh, it's not that it's so closely tied to this, but you understand there's power in the name of Jesus. And so the faith that I've been speaking about that we've seen here in in Mark chapter 11 is going to be demonstrated not in this room but outside those doors by going as he calls us to go and by releasing what he calls us to release. But we're going to go out of this place with the declaration the name of Jesus.
So two things, I'm going to ask our musicians if they'll step forward. And the second thing, would the rest of you bow your heads and I want to pray with you. In fact, would you, if at all possible, physically possible, would you stand across this, everyone standing. And I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. First of all, with your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed, is there anyone here? You've, you've not started yet a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've, you can't look back and identify a time, or you just know that what I'm speaking about really is moving to you, but you don't know if you are actually in Christ, or you don't know if, if Jesus is in you. A, a, a way that you can test this is, if Jesus is dwelling within us, then we know that if we were to die, that we would go to be with him. So this morning, if you aren't sure, if you were to die today, if you were to die in the next moment, if you are not sure that you would go to heaven, then there's a very strong possibility that you are not yet a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not the litmus test. I'm simply saying that when Jesus is in us and we know that we're saved, then we have that assurance of salvation. If you don't have that assurance of salvation this morning, I want you to have it. So with no one looking around, I just want to, before I pray with the rest of you, is there anyone here that would say, yeah, that's me, and I, I, just, I just, I want to begin that relationship today. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to begin following him. This is the biggest step of faith that you'll ever make, by the way. But it's, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it along with millions and millions and billions throughout time who have done this, I want you to do this as well. Is there anyone here that would say, yeah, that's me. I want to I want, I want to know for sure that I'm, I'm going to heaven. Is there anyone here? Well, just lift up your hands and I, I'll pray with you. I won't embarrass you, but I want to pray with you. Is there anyone here on the main level? How about on the balcony? Is there anybody in the balcony? I just want to give you this opportunity. All right. If you want to speak with us afterwards, you certainly can. But I want to pray with you now. Lord Jesus, make us into disciples who go without knowing all the answers. Regardless of our name or the time in which we've been following you, may it be said of us, may it be said of me, When God sent, I went. Make me into a disciple who will go and do what you've called me, where you've called me to go, and what you've called me to do without knowing all the answers. Make me into that disciple. And Lord, I also ask that you will shape us into your people who release what we currently value, who release, who are more than willing to release, if you call it, we will release whatever it is that we hold, that we value, or by which we found our identity. 
that today, even today, may I be your man, your woman, who releases what I currently value, even if I don't know how or when it will ever come back to me. May my faith be such that if you say, let it go, I let it go. This is my prayer for every person here. That if you call us to go, we go. If you call us to release something, we release it. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. I believe you believe it. But now we're going to act on it. So, as always, these altars are going to be open. And um, you're more than welcome to pray here as long as you'd like. Um, But tomorrow morning, you'll have opportunity to go and do what he calls you to do or release what he calls you to release. This coming week, having heard this message, I promise you that you will have opportunity. And I pray the Holy Spirit brings it back to your minds. So that's my prayer for you this morning as we go. May the Lord God bless you. May Jesus provide for you. May his Holy Spirit comfort you. May we love God with everything in us. May we love people because we love God. May we demonstrate that in very tangible ways. And may we share Jesus Christ without whom this world is absolutely lost. But we have the answer. His name is Jesus. Let's sing this together. And as we sing it, you can go ahead and start coming forward or you can start heading out. But let's sing this. The name of Jesus. Let's sing it out. Your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name is a shelter like no other. God bless you as you sing. God bless you this morning. Let's sing this together. Because your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name is a shelter like no other. Your name, let the nations sing aloud. Nothing has the power to save but your name.
Strong. 